0: Before we jump into this episode where I interview the NBA storyteller, let me just say that this is only part 1 of 2, so be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes or anywhere else. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every
1: day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm
0: hustling. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your host, Rudy St. Clair, and joining me today is the NBA Storyteller. Go ahead and say hello.
1: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate that.
0: Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter where you can tell me, I clearly don't know basketball at NBA underscore Rudy. And uh, this, is, this is the man who invented the phrase, you clearly don't know basketball. Um, <laughs> how, how, how you been? It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you finally.
1: Uh very good. And you know what? I really appreciate the um title of uh creator of the phrase. It's <laughs> you, that's basically what you have to do you, even if you you're just taking something out of culture, you just you just own it and say that you created it and eventually people believe you. So, <laughs>
0: that's true. They say that great artists steal, but um you're you're definitely good at original content. I would say honestly the the whole you clearly don't know basketball thing is probably the least creative thing you you've made, but it it's it's still quite the uh, the creative catchphrase,
1: and I mean I we'll get into we can get into that later exactly the origin of of why I'm so fond of that phrase we can but we can we can we can step into that a little later if we need to. All
0: right, all right, awesome. Well, um, just a uh, last time I interviewed someone on my cast, and when I started my own podcast, I I introduced myself, telling my own basketball story in a way and how I got started liking basketballs. Uh, so. When did your basketball love affair begin? Is there like a specific moment that, that sticks out to you as far as like, oh, wow, basketball?
1: There is a, a moment in time that is etched in my brain, and it is essentially the beginning. And it was a Sunday in the early 90s. I was very young. I don't even remember the specific date I don't know what year it was. It's all it's all it's it's really becoming mythical at this point. I'm not even sure if it really even existed. But we're sitting sitting in the pews and this is, this is kind of a small church out of nowhere and I I don't even know if I had a heads up on this. This might have just been a surprise. But about halfway through the service my uncle who did not go to this church and didn't even live close to town came in through the back and I saw him Looking around, pointing, his eyes landed on me. He came to the to the seat where me and my parents and my sister were sitting and escorted me out. And it was a surprise and he as he took me to my very first basketball game. And this was uh in Oakland, California. We went and saw the Golden State Warriors playing I don't know who, but it was like the circus. It was almost being very young, walking into what seemed like a dimly lit, dusty arena. It felt nostalgic thinking back at it, like in the moment. It felt like I was looking at a slideshow. It, everything about it felt like a movie. And that's when I had my first encounter with Minute Bowl. And for this to be my very first NBA basketball game ever, to be not not even just in the presence of, but up close with seven foot six Minute Bowl, it it put basketball in a completely different part of my brain. Because it wasn't just a sport. These were these were giants. They were they were it was a freak show. And then when the game started and watching it just it what it, it might have warped my whole sense of what basketball could be. Because this is when Minute Ball was checking up three point shots too. And watching this freak shoot from distance and subsequently learning that this is not how people usually play the game even in a professional setting made me feel very connected to this team and this moment in this sport and it felt special and that was the very beginning and uh I still I I I can remember that I it's such a crisp memory walking down there which is funny because I don't remember anything else about the game. I just remember walking in the arena and going to the seats and seeing the new bowl. And that was
0: it. How? Uh, where were the seats? Were you in the lower bowl, upper deck, in the, in the club?
1: Oh, we were way down. We were about five or six rows from the court. Ooh,
0: man, at, at that distance, it's like you can just see these, these giants and it's just a, a spectacle
1: to look at no matter how old you are. <laughs> Absolutely. And the benefit at that point was that the Warriors weren't that great at least at that point so it's not like i mean you know we can talk about being a warriors fan at some point but back then it wasn't the hot thing and uh even if we didn't have seats that close we could have gotten that close (laughs) so it felt intimate it felt like (laughs) i mean there were some fans but it still felt like i was i was getting a glimpse of something that i don't know the rest of the world didn't really know about
0: yeah, Minute is a pretty a pretty well kept secret, even in terms of just like the uh, the eyes of NBA history. You know, I don't really hear a lot of Manute Bull stories other than look how tall this guy was.
1: And that's going to change. That's one of my goals. That is a goal I have in life. We're gonna get we're gonna get Manute Bull in the Hall of Fame.
0: <laughs> Are you gonna do it with one of your twelve films coming up this year?
1: Yes. Well, you know, I I don't know how I don't know if I can dedicate a whole an entire. You know what? Actually, there you go yes
0: absolutely <laughs> you you heard it here first the exclusive live commitment to a minute bowl film from the NBA storyteller
1: in 2019 <laughs> no joke man I just I am really i, I I'm making a commitment right now honestly uh, and this is all pretty this is new and I'm glad to be on the podcast making my announcement <laughs> <laughs> that this year and what I'm doing with the channel is completely um, different Completely different in terms of my approach to how I I want to tell stories, but it's very clear. I'm going to make 12 extended videos, you can call them documentaries, films, and they're going to be on a variety of topics. I have six of them determined already, and this is the fun part is that you suggesting something on Manu Ball fits perfectly into what I've been trying to figure out, which is what are the other six. So I'm going to be doing that, releasing one. At the last day of each month, and I have a very specific approach to these. And it's gonna be a, uh, kind of pulling the best of what I've done. I feel like the past year and a half, two years has been a warm up mm-hmm. for what I'm gonna do this next year before, you know, wrap the whole thing up yeah. and end it.
0: Yeah, I-, I did wanna actually address that uh, because you did uh, come out with the series of videos moments before we actually recorded this. Uh, addressing uh, one of the questions I had in here, actually, which is uh, about the end. What is the end? It's just sort of this ominous tag on your on your YouTube <laughs> channel name. which is NBA Storyteller through the end. And now you freshly announced that apparently there is an end. Is it a real? Is it a real end?
1: It's all about the current mindset, the state of mind, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe that if I can accomplish my goal, which is still kind of vague that I will be satisfied with what I've done with this channel. It doesn't mean I won't stop creating stuff, but this project may be done if I can do what I want to do. If I can't finish it, sure, I'll give myself an extension. But if I can get to the point that I have in my mind, um, which is very specific, then I think it'll be a good finale to it. Sure, I'll, I'm not gonna. You know, I'll still. I'm gonna still be alive. <laughs> still be. <laughs> that's good. <great. laughs> but I don't know the the approach the where I continue to tell stories. May be slightly different. I may broaden, but I, that's the thing. I'm not trying to leave my roots here. You know, people they immediately think somebody says, "Hey, you should you know tell stories about movies. You should talk about this or whatever it is." And people think that they can do everything. You know, just because somebody suggested, no, no, I, I'm not trying to become just a general commentary and video essay channel or person. And I honestly think that having some sort of limitation or some sort of parameters to what you do helps and having basketball as a starting point for whatever the stories are is a great, it's a great tool It keeps you focused and you can, if if you have, if people haven't seen any of the videos I've done, I hope they get a chance to. Hopefully this podcast here is exposing some new people, but I, I'm not always talking about basketball. I'm talking about people and it's just people and stories saying there's endless stories, uh, when there's people and passion and competition, uh, and you can always mind that but i do want to have be be able to have a a kind of a a period at the end of um a chapter whatever that is mm-hmm.
0: right i mean basketball is ultimately just an entertainment platform it's it's something that you can play around with and and be a little bit non-serious with and and ultimately the consequences are just people on twitter getting mad at you so I totally see where you're coming from you know it's like a I've always seen you from you know a fan's perspective as as someone who's very methodical and how they go about their creative process and ultimately had something larger in mind Uh, I guess so uh, maybe we'll see a, a return after the end as the artist formerly known as the NBA storyteller
1: how many retirements can somebody announce you know you can it's it's all it's all a hustle it's all a gimmick I mean I, it's like I can't even stay in a particular gimmick without exposing myself right Uh, in this short amount of time I mean everything I said is true but it's saying stuff like you know this is my last album I'm ever gonna do this is you know, the last painting I'm ever gonna do Even if you are being truthful to yourself, it's still just a fun thing to say, you know? Um. (laughs) And I think it's going to make... I think if I can convince myself that it is the end, then I think I'll get some really good work out of myself, and then we'll see what happens. But I'm just along for the ride. I am really along for the ride. But there are so many loose ends that I've created for myself, (laughs) And that's what honestly frustrates me and that's what I wanna kind of that's what I want to uh I want to bring it all together so if somebody watches the very first video on the on the channel and watches till the end, it's all self-contained. It may be confusing, <laughs> but the answers the questions I have in something, there's an answer in another one, and uh nobody's left blowing up my DMs on Instagram. <laughs> saying that they want to punch me in the face because I didn't finish a particular series. Right, right. Yeah. that's spe- And that is a very that is a specific uh, re- uh, encounter I'm referencing.
0: <laughs> well, I won't ask you to reveal this person's identity so we can go and threaten them in their DMs as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I guess uh, getting away from the end a little bit, I, I guess I'll say just... Uh, I, I guess... I should have nothing to fear as a as a fan of the NBA storyteller. Uh, it's not so much the end as the year of the end, and the end is just a uh, whatever you want it to be for whatever story that you've told that the viewer cares about the most. I suppose you know I can. I'm sure we can hunt down a uh, a few loose ends even just within a a couple hours of research on your channel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, getting more into the beginning is everything the almighty slam dunk is to me part one Uh, which I'm pretty sure never got a part two (laughs) Uh, really the first video you ever uploaded to YouTube because I feel like a lot of YouTubers who garner some success it's not really their first attempt at YouTube it's like their third or fourth or fifth attempt
1: this is like I feel like this is like this is like one of those uh, I I mean it's a great question but it feels like something I would have submitted to say like, you know, like on a late night talk show, you know, we do the pre-interview mm-hmm. and I say, okay, this, I want you to ask me about, is this my first time? Um, Cause no, not, not, absolutely not. I've, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a long footprint uh, on YouTube. Uh, I used to make random little things with some of my college friends that I would probably not point anybody to. And rather that they just kind of stay lost in in the YouTube dumpster, um, but if people find them, that's fine. But then I most recently, ever since I had my first child, my one of many kids that I, I may or may not have, <laughs> I I posted some um, a variety of uh, videos of me and my boy, and one of them was about me and my son having an afternoon at home, right? My wife was out, and it got a little crazy in the house, and I just recorded it, and I put up a camera and ran it back, time-lapse, to show her what we did. It was specifically to show her what we did that day, and I thought it was very entertaining. And uh, I put it online, and it's now at 40 million views. So... That was my first taste of YouTube success.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's that's a lot of success. And you didn't have any sort of following before that. It just sort of organically went viral like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's when it was still when things would I guess you could call it go organically viral. There was no kind of particular push behind it from any source or any sort of these. viral video factory sites right um
0: you didn't you didn't sell the rights to the video of you and your son having a day to (laughs) viralhog.com
1: exactly yeah yeah (laughs) not yet i did that later (laughs) but but no i she this was funny because she put it on my wife my wife put it on facebook and then her circle of people found it adorable and then they shared it and it kinda of took off on Facebook. This was fa- Facebook, man. This is ai w I haven't been on Facebook in a long time. So this is this is a while ago. But yeah, and then it, and yeah, you know, in back at that point it was the whole cycle where and really not to get too far away from basketball, because who gives a crap about me and my family, right?
0: Um Well let me let me let me start with that. I think a lot of people would probably like to hear about your personal life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're you're okay. a you 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 border on having like a, like a persona on your channel, you know, like especially with like, a, like a, the one you did before the Christmas special where you got knocked out by the mini rim or by the basketball <laughs> off the mini rim and you woke up in a, in a daze. You know, you sort of have like a, a whole in channel universe going on. So to know about the, the real NBA storyteller is definitely going to be fascinating too. A large collection of people, I think.
1: You know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. You know, and I, I never really know what comes across about about the the, the world building that I'm attempting to do. Um, but there is definitely some blending um, between realities. I mean, the whole mini room story is ripped from the headlines. That is a completely true story. I mean, it is shot. <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> i'm serious like there's 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 very there's a little bit of embellishment for dramatic effect i mean there, there was no music playing when it really <laughs> happened but <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway so okay so uh i put the video on facebook and what wife's friends like it and they share it and this is the time when the cycle it was a machine it's all It, it it's still a machine But it was, the machine was, it did one thing. It found the the viral video of the day and then you would be on the local news, they'd call you up and then you'd get on a morning TV show, like a national program, like Good Morning America. And then that was basically the cycle. And then either it kind of gained internet infamy or your little moment in the sun would fade away. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did the whole cycle, right? So, you know, I got the, the, the little article and I was on local news. I was living in Kansas City at that time. Uh, and then we I were on Good Morning America. They sent a camera crew over to our house and did a little interview there. And that was it. And it was very odd. And luckily I monetized it and made some money. Um, but then it just, <laughs> the funniest part is, then it, it 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 did not launch it into one of the uh standard everybody knows videos you know it wasn't like what's that video you know the kid who's uh, like hallucinating from you know the dentist uh, you know den- that one yeah from the dentist yeah <laughs> yeah and then there's like the charlie bit my finger yeah, the, right some, some right. classic yeah. 2006 like, youtube revival clips <laughs> right but it's—I mean—you just—it's—it's it's in the—it's in the history books, right? So it didn't get there. But what happened was, it got major traction overseas, in Brazil and in Serbia, and I became a bona fide celebrity in Serbia and Brazil. <laughs> I still get fan mail, mail, you know, ver, you know, whatever that is—the current incarnation of fan mail—from Brazil, uh, and it's amazing. I, I've still never been to Brazil or Serbia, but I feel if if I went there and by looking at the numbers and the demographics and and how many people in Serbia have watched that video, I, I feel like I would be recognized walking down the street. So anyway, that's uh that's how that's kind of worked out, and I continued putting videos on that channel and stuff like that, and you know some have gotten some good traction, and now it's it's kind of just like a hub for family related things. Oh okay.
0: All right. I had no idea you were still active on um on more than just the NBA Storyteller channel and the Learning Center.
1: Well, I actually haven't. I actually haven't posted it in like two years. So I guess I'm not. I guess you could say mm-hmm. I'm not active <laughs> on it. Yeah. But it's alive. You know, it's not shut down. It it still gets a ton of traffic. But it's you know, it sucks. It gets a ton of traffic, but it's all international traffic where the ad rate is next to nothing.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: It's, so you know i still get a million views every couple months but no zero revenue from it it is insulting it's insulting at this point
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds like the epitome of internet bittersweet
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. so i'm trying to i'm trying to correct that with my with this because with i'm telling you nba videos it is the demographic, man. You are drilling right in the middle of it. It is exactly it is it is a gold mine if you can ta- if you can get this group of people who watch NBA YouTube videos to watch your videos. That's uh the the C T R or C whatever it is.
0: <laughs> the C P N whatever their little
1: The C P thank you. <laughs> it is uh yeah on a completely different Spectrum than family videos in Serbia. (laughs) So anyway, okay, back to uh, back to basketball.
0: (laughs) Right. So before uh, before the almighty slam dunk, before um, your your forty million family video blew up, did you have any sort of background in in film or photography? Just because you know, like all the shots in your in your videos of real life look very interesting. It's all very well put together. Like most of the the not most, but a lot of the entertainment value of your content comes from just the pure editing of it all. It's it's all very beautiful to look at. It's not just basketball. Uh, so is there a background in, in film and photography?
1: I actually went to college as a photography major, and I quickly dropped that I, when I realized sitting in class one day when we went around in a circle, and everybody said what they wanted to do with their photography degree or whatever it was called mm-hmm. and none of them said be employed <laughs> so, <laughs> i can relate so i <laughs> right, so i changed to communications but i never stopped being interested in it and after college is actually when i got my first legitimate camera you know a little it's like a, what they would call a pro prosumer, mm-hmm. professional consumer camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I was pretty much self-taught. And then I bounced around from a few different jobs, you know. Um, a lot of this, it sounds like a, a long span of time. It's not. A lot happened in a very short amount of time. But I, uh, I went to a few different jobs. I, I was able to talk a good game about what I was capable of doing without actually having the reel or resume to demonstrate it. So whenever I got got into a new job, it was always in production. Um, I would volunteer to edit something. Or I'd say, hey, you know, this little thing you want to do is a promo. Let me do it. Let me just try it. And I would always turn something around um, that they liked. And then editing and shooting would become my job in various industries. Um, But it always... It was always something weird or boring. I worked for a weather channel, um, and I was making weather-related educational content for kids. Then I worked for a fitness company. It was actually a fitness product, and I was making promotional videos for the fitness product called the TRX. It's this yellow strap that is it's in every gym in the world now, and I should have stayed at that company because they gave me stock options, but I quit. Oof. And had to give them back, Oof. and then I have worked, <laughs> and then and then um, I worked for a financial advising middleman firm, making videos for local <laughs> local like uh, independent financial advisors who sell annuities to old people.
0: <laughs> that sounds so exciting.
1: Let me tell you, this is when. I mastered my craft, which was telling stories that were really boring in a visually interesting way. And this is all what led to doing basketball videos. Because one day after doing that for a couple of years, I said, why I'm I'm spending all this time and effort telling these boring ass stories about why you can trust, you know, this guy, this former high school coach who took a class uh, and now wants to, you know, uh, manage your grandparents money. I, why he can be trustworthy. I'm spending all this time on these videos. I can take these same techniques and actually make videos that I care about, that I'm interested in. And basketball just seemed obvious to me. So that's what that's that's uh where the channel was born. It was my rejection of what I was doing and I just completely being over it and trying to figure out what what container I could put the learned skills that I' developed over the uh over my career, yeah, and I'd take all those storytelling techniques and everything that was boring, everything that i I was using to make something boring interesting, make something interesting even more interesting if that that makes sense right absolutely yeah, I think it, it makes perfect sense, sense.
0: all right, <laughs> there we go, that's it that is a lot of experience, like you said if i uh, if I didn't know any better, I would say you might be over forty. Between all the all, all those stories and the twelve kids, which I'm pretty sure aren't four sets of triplets, so it had to take some
1: time. Um, do you really have twelve kids? I, it kind of depends on the day. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll leave it all at right, that. Right. The it depends on which day. <laughs> this is the thing. Like I, it it's the persona on the story ch- channel is it's it's it is real. Everything is real, but it's. What is real, you know? You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean, (laughs) but no, I'm uh, I would, I'm definitely not 40. I, good lord, (laughs) good god, I'm not 40. Thank, uh, not yet, anyway. But that's the thing, I was saying uh, a lot, a lot, a lot happened in a short amount of time, so I would say I have the wisdom of a 40 year old in uh, an early 30s body and hairline, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your hairline hasn't quite failed you yet, but you're wearing a hat in most of the videos, so I can't really tell, honestly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it should, again, it depends on the day. It depends on the day. You know what's, you know what about hairlines? And this isn't a segue into Clyde Drexler slander, but are you um, sure about that? <laughs> I, it could be. We could go there, but I, I worked with a guy who, which is like, just unfortunately bald. Like, not even a good bald. Like a stanza and, mold, yeah. But like, still had like some. He still held on to some of the stuff on top too, just a little bit. It, 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 it Just the desperation. You can you can just see it from across the street. So, um, and he was candidly saying, you know, I should have, he should have taken like propitia or one of those other things, but I distinctly remember a time when dealing with baldness or something like that it was it was it was mocked these types of things you know like if you were taking something like that I feel like there was a time it could have been Seinfeldy time right but I feel like now I've even seen this I've seen this in celebrity culture people openly talking about dealing with their struggles losing their hairline and how they're approaching it and how they're uh preventing it I saw some video and who, some rapper was on one of his little shows talking about the surgery he had to correct his hairline. And I'm like, you can just talk about that now? <laughs> That's just open for conversation. There's just no shame. There is no shame anymore about personal problems.
0: No, no, we live in a very at, whatsoever culture.
1: <laughs> you know, this is this is this is a setup for a completely different podcast, but it's it's beautiful and it's it's unnerving sometimes and it's not, it's not about, uh, I'm not even trying to draw comparisons to the particular, you know, the, the, typical debates about, you know, PC culture or outrage. I'm just saying people are very comfortable telling people what their problems are. And it really makes everybody feel, it makes, it, it, it makes people feel more human and it to me it makes it makes me obviously uh sympathize with people more, but at the same time i I, I just people feel sorry for folks you know like there's no mystery anymore you used to wonder what people's problems were inside their house then you could project it now they're just telling you what their problems are <laughs> so the point of me talking about this is that i'm at a I'm at a point where i'm tr- I want to take a uh, one step further into what complete honesty is in being a sports fan. Um, Because I feel like this is one of the last areas where you cannot be completely vulnerable. There's so much defense. There's so much, there's so many walls and there's so many lines that if you're a particular fan of this person or this team, there's fire lines and things where you can't cross uh, if you're going to be in the open dialogue, otherwise your words will probably be used against you. So I'm trying to figure out where that is, and and cross those lines, and bring people past them with me. Somehow, I don't know how. You- right.
0: I could I could definitely see that in in your body of work. I mean, I've sort of interpreted your channel as like this alternate history perspective because the NBA, the, the organization itself, seems to value its history like capital H history, the the proper singular narrative yeah. that they broadcast over any other story, whether it be true or not. You know, like that's why you have so many NBA conspiracy theories that just pop up out of nowhere and seem totally believable because everyone sort of kind of knows that the NBA is projecting a certain story onto us. And with your channel, I see a lot of alternate stories, a lot of the the best of what goes untold, the... The things that don't get highlighted, the the little details that sort of fall out of out of fashion as we perpetuate the the mythos that the NBA gives to us, and so with your ability to turn those little nuanced details into totally unraveled stories is a uh, very valuable, I think, in terms of just like the greater idea of discourse as a whole, because you can apply that not just from sports, but also to like anything else. I think that's one of my favorite things about sports and basketball, especially is that you can take the little nuggets of knowledge that you learn from the game and apply it to the real world where it's not just entertainment we're talking about. It's like people's lives at stake or, or whatever, you know, you can learn how to appreciate the, the alternate discourse and have a more thorough conversation about what is real.
1: But in and but, what do you think about? Because there's always this. There's there is a backstop for all of it, which is, and I I've used it too, and I I kind of I I I want to sh- stray away from it a little bit. It's at any point somebody just throw it in your face and they say it's just a game. You know, it's just a game, and. It's, that's an odd thing to me because you can see so much reality and so much truth and uh, human nature in basketball. I mean, sports in general. And you can take all of these things deathly seriously. But there's this floating um, out, which is it's just a game. And that's kind of something that I, 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 I don't believe. I don't buy. If, you're, if people are doing something full-time... And your livelihood depends on it. Um, I don't know if it's just a game anymore. And if you're, if people are experiencing full-blown range of emotions, whatever they are, whether you're, uh, you know, Kevin Durant or Chris Paul, you can't look those people in the face and say it's just a game. And in turn, covering it and talking about it and, and diving into what's real and what's not real, uh, it it. It's just life. It's all life. It's all real life. Um, you could you could turn around and say to somebody who isn't playing sports, uh, you know, I don't know, a longshoreman, and say it's just a game. You know, life. It's just a game. It doesn't really matter the. But what I I just don't like that necessary that that out, uh, because you can take this stuff so serious and it is important and. There are a ton of storylines and important things to to show and tell and share about the sport that speak directly to life and are bigger than just a game. I think, I hate saying, does that make sense? But I think that makes sense. No,
0: it absolutely makes sense. It's like, uh, it's just, everything's a metaphor in a way. And sports metaphors are some of the strongest and more easily relatable, I think. Uh, the, for mu- much of anything else it's like when people get super passionate about a, a given subject within basketball or anything else you know usually they want to be right about whatever it is that they're passionate about or they don't want to be proven wrong you know you could argue that's human nature you could argue it's culture whatever but when people do say it's just a game and or like i've been saying you know it's it's only entertainment which is just another version of the same sentiment it's not so much the to write it off as insignificant it's just to remember uh it's not worth genuinely hating somebody over or it's not worth uh causing harm in a way you know it's it, it comes down to it it's it's uh a tool not not a it's not life itself you know what I'm does that make sense I, I now you got me saying does that make sense but I say that all the time anyway
1: okay all right I'm not infecting you good but but maybe it is I don't know that's the thing maybe it is worth hating somebody over I don't know this is this is this is what i I I I don't not struggle with but I think about all sides of this what is worth your raw emotion what is worth making you genuinely upset about and or really disliking somebody else. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not, right? Like, in ancient times, some games and competitions r- resulted in, you know, the death of the loser, right? It was <laughs> fights to the death. In um, you know, the Coliseum, people were dying in these competitions. Sure, people aren't dying, right? They're not being murdered on the court. But... When you attach yourself to anything, are you allowed to take it completely seriously? Or do you always have to pretend to not take it completely seriously? And is that just an act, right? Is that, are you pretending when, you, when you're like, ah, you know, no big deal. Or like you're, you pretend that you're over something or you don't want to really engage in an argument. I don't know how people separate their raw emotions you know, I don't. I feel like people aren't that complex, where they can compartmentalize their their hatred for I don't know somebody in a different political party versus somebody who you know roots for your rival. I don't know if we're that complex where we can gauge those those emotions. Like these are my sports emotions over here, and these are my real life emotions over here. Because um, I always I always talk, look at it this way: when you got like a little kid, right? let's say this little kid wants a cookie and the cookie is on top of the refrigerator and they can't get it. And the the kid is crying, right? That kid, that cry, that kid, that, that want for that cookie is everything to that child. Right. And you cannot discount that and say, ah, it's just a cookie because that, that kid, it's everything. It is the realest emotion that that child is having. And it's painful and if nobody's responding or helping, if you can't just say, ah, it's just a cookie. So, at what point does that irrationality or relativity uh, go away in terms of your passions? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm open to all sides of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. I think it's a, something that's going to vary a lot from, from person to person. You know, it's just a sort of like a, another just really good example of how basketball can very directly compare to life. I mean, the cookie analogy is, is perfect. Um, I mean, you, even if you're, you know, a 40 year old person and, and you really want to cook it and you can't get to it and you're really hungry, it's going to mean everything to you. <laughs> so you don't have to be a child to like cookies. You know? <laughs> I mean, it really, it's, it almost, uh, it almost comes down to like a, like a borderline (laughs) metaphysical question, like an epistemological question, if I can pronounce that correctly. Oh, good. Nice one. Uh, Does anybody really know basketball with a capital K? (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody know basketball? (laughs) Is there a right answer to anything in the game? (laughs) Is anybody right about anything? I think the only thing that ever proves, quote-unquote proves, anything is just winning a a championship and that's where you get the rings people rings with a z people who think Kobe's their goat people who think that they know basketball because they they watch Kobe Bryant for 10 years
1: <laughs> this is you are hitting this right on the head i feel like i i feel like i submitted a line of uh of thought here because co- kobe is so fascinating to me and co i think his greatest moment In his entire career was, I don't know what it was in response to, but there's this clip of him and he's counting up to five and he's showing somebody's you know, he's putting one finger up, two fingers up all the way to five to demonstrate, you know, how many rings he has, but he's in, he's in the stands, he's in a suit and he's looking at somebody simply counting to five. And I think that is, if I was going to rank Kobe's greatest basketball moments, that would be it. Because that single moment in Kobe's career where he's just counting to five, he may that is the best sports argument ever because number one, when it comes to sports, it's not all about rationale. usually the shortest argument wins, right because it's catchy, because it's repeatable, people can other people can say it to death until people just get sick of it, whatever it is. You know, uh, and he demonstrated all you gotta do in anything, if you, if anybody ever doubts Kobe, all you gotta do is just hold up five fingers and just not say a word. And, and how do you, how do you respond to that? You don't, you can't respond to that logically, like, in words. Like, what do you say? You know, if you're debating Kobe versus LeBron, just hold up five fingers. That's it. That's the best argument in basketball. So, uh... That I, I I don't know how you just mentioned Kobe and I wanted to kind of talk about how my idea of what the best basketball argument is, even though it goes against everything that I would believe in, because it's it shuts down an argument, you're not really engaging, but there's some there's like there's a, a poetic simplicity in it that I just love. It's like I I I love the worst parts of basketball because of how perfect perfectly horrible they are. And that's honestly why I love the phrase, you you clearly don't know basketball. Which is also which was derived from, you know, you just the phrase you don't know basketball. I just I like the word clearly because it just it distinguishes it and clearly is such uh a pretentious word. <laughs> Most <Just> definitely <laughs> it's just like, oh it's obvious that you don't know basketball. <laughs> I mean just look at you. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's why I love that phrase. I love it because I hate it so much whenever it, I would see it, but it's one of those those uh realms that an argument like that can exist and be taken and like people can take it seriously sometimes, like they really think they're saying something when they say that or with the kobe and do you know do you know the clip I'm talking about where he holds up his five mm-hmm, the five fingers absolutely. yeah. That it's just it's so brilliant. It does you can you can write an essay. This person, whoever he's debating, could have been uh, using every bit of logic to prove whatever their point is. Just hold up the five fingers, and you know you win. That's it.
0: Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a sports discourse or basketball discourse, however you want to phrase it. It's like if it exists in a courtroom. You know, you're trying to to win over the jury, <laughs> not exactly be like the most rational. It's just like, you're trying to be convincing. You, you want to instill like, uh, uh, it's like on the other side of the fence, you have the, the people who want to be philosophers about it, you know, who want to engage in the discourse. Like you're saying, like in the way, in this, in a way that the rings people, the, the Kobe goat people kind of shut down discourse by being like, Oh, well, Five fingers. It's like, it also, perpetuate discourse it it creates it 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 makes us question why it's right or why it's wrong y- you want to engage in it and that i think ultimately that's like the most important thing for people in in any realm is just to engage in the conversation if you just stand idly by dogmatically enjoying the game or coasting through life uh then you're not really being as good of a of a citizen or as productive of a person however you want to phrase it as you possibly could be as if you were engaged in the discourse. And I think the more people engage in the discourse, the closer we get to like a, a perfect democracy, which is allegedly perfectly good. I still don't know about it, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, it's just basketball scales to life so well. Um, you're talking about Kobe. So I, I did want to go ahead and ask you this. Now that we're kind of a, a few weeks removed from it, uh, how do you feel about being just barely too late on breaking the Matt Barnes, Kobe Bryant pump fake story with the alternate angle and everything? And do you think that Trey Kirby watches NBA Storyteller videos?
1: I assume that most everybody who is aware of basketball has encountered the NBA Storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> that's my baseline assumption until proven otherwise. But that's kind of just how they, I feel like the internet works. Like if Once it's on there... My assumption is that you know about it, <laughs> until you tell me you don't know about it. Um, now, my the <laughs> until recently, the views probably don't speak to that truth, but we're getting there. We're starting to get there. I've had a little bit of a surge, and uh, we're we're getting to complete awareness. You almost minute um, in the whole thing. I'm telling you, that 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 is happening now. It is one of the twelve. One of the final twelve films is going to be on minute minute to the hall <laughs> it'll be later once it gets some more momentum i can't i can't start off with that one so anyway i was fascinated with kobe bryant and it wasn't even the no flinch moment where matt barnes tossed the ball towards his face and it really wasn't it was like it, it really is it is a, a a next level uh fake because it was one of those and i think i mentioned it in the video where he kind of threw the ball ahead, and he caught it. it there was some real um, velocity to the, to the pump fake that was going, that we all assumed was going directly towards Kobe's face. But <clears throat> there was another game where he was sitting on the sidelines, and Chris Rock was chattering in his ear. I don't, it was in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if it was the finals or the playoffs, whatever, which, where it was um, that particular year. But Kobe was zoned out. And Chris Rock sitting courtside was a couple seats away from him and just talking. And Kobe seemed like he was completely unaware that there was anybody else in the tri-state area. He was just so focused or zoned out. I don't know. Those seem like opposites. So I was just looking at that. And I'm looking at that like, what? how do you get that mindset? And... I'm just doing a, a ton of research and looking at Kobe and looking at all these other moments where he just looks so focused. <clears throat> and this also kind of bleeds into his um, his mimic mimicry of Michael Jordan um, and how he almost embodies Michael Jordan in certain moments. I mean, we've all seen those, those uh, reels where it's a side-by-side comparison and it's eerie. It's eerie how like he's doing an impression you know and it's not just the shots it's the celebrations it's the faces he makes in in these uh big moments anyway this all led to my theory that uh kobe bryant and phil jackson were dabbling in hypnosis to make kobe bryant believe that he was michael jordan in particular moments and i think that there's probably some sort of trigger some sort of on-court thing, you know, noise or something that puts him in those moments. I mean, seriously, if you look at the, some of the celebrations after championships, it's it's, it's so spot on. It's, so, it's such an exact replication of Michael Jordan's celebrations that it's clear, clearly ingrained in Kobe Bryant's deep in his brain, wherever you keep that stuff. And in these moments where you win a championship or especially if you're not blowing the team out and it's kind of, you get that rush of emotion in any particular win when you didn't know if you're really going to win, you're not, I feel like you see the real person. You get a real reaction, a real celebration. And for these to be his default celebrations, the exact same ones that Michael Jordan had, it just felt like something had been driven into him to believe that he was actually Michael Jordan in those moments. Which is which could be very useful. Anyway, so I was thinking a lot about that. And there actually is a thread that you can kind of follow where Phil Jackson did introduce hypnosis to certain players. And there's, there's a story there. Anyway, so I dug and dug and I was finding all these spots where Kobe was zoned out or he looked like he um, just wasn't present. You know, he was in these hypnotic states. And I landed on the clip of the no flinch moment, but it was an overhead view. And it was this one guy in 2009, when it happened, recorded, I think it was PTI, the next day when they were talking about it, and they showed an overhead clip. And the guy who recorded it was recording his TV, so you can see the whole frame and stuff like that. And they show the overhead shot once, and it just it blew the doors the doors open on that entire mythical moment. There were so many questions because the ball wasn't directly being thrown at his face. And if that's not at his face, then it's not amazing that he didn't flinch. And yes, it's very minor, but this was the only clip on the the entire internet that I could find. And I'd never seen this. It had very minimal views. And I saw this and I said, wow, I've never seen this. I've never seen this, never heard this. So I incorporated it and... And made it the cornerstone of this whole video that I was gonna reveal that look at this this angle. I don't think anybody's seen it. I Googled it all. I looked I I, I look it's like with John Stockton having no left hand. I don't think anybody had really gone down that pathway. And I try to make sure it's not my takes aren't just retreads. So I did that with Kobe, and a day and a half before I published my video. This angle in this conversation blew up on Twitter and it was it was it was devastating it really was to see how every single sports related show and then just general news you know in their little fun light segments were talking about how maybe Kobe maybe he didn't flinch because he didn't get you know whatever the however they broke it down that this, this wasn't an amazing moment it was everywhere. It was, a, it was so pervasive. My wife even brought it up to me, and she didn't know what I was working on. She's like, oh, you know, remember that Kobe moment where you didn't flinch? Well, it turns out, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'd been sitting on this video for a couple of weeks, crafting it, putting it together, and when that came out, because of what seems to be an organic conversation from Trey Kirby, Who on Twitter says that he seems to act like he knew about it for a long time? I don't even remember the exact tweet, but it was something like, you know, yeah, let's not get into the overhead angle, you know, that'll change everything or some mess like that. Like he had been talking about it for years, really, Trey. If you've been talking about it for years, why did the whole world seem like they just found out about it? You know, like how are you how are you gonna fake act like you're breaking news that you already knew and you're on TV? The man's on a TV show. This could have been a segment... Anyway, alright. It should have been common knowledge if he knew about it already. If he was doing his job. Because I did this. I put it out there on the internet what I was working on and that there were questions about it a few days before it came out. And it wouldn't take that much digging to find the thread that I found. But anyway, uh, I'd come to grips with that. I was um, all better. And I was ready to move on. But, uh then you wanted to yeah, bring it God up said, then I so it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was so odd it just felt like they reached into my 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 computer and just snatched it out because it wasn't it it wasn't just nba youtube nba twitter uh conversation for the next week it was everywhere it's amazing because what has happened since it, it's basically gotten all stuffed back into the the bottle like you put we put the genie back in the bottle i remember when it was kind of dying off again there were a series of uh headlines that i read where they were rationalizing that yes it was still amazing that kobe didn't flinch even though the ball wasn't thrown directly at his face they were still trying to make the story true even though we have evidence that it may not be true that he wasn't in he wasn't superhuman in that particular moment and on top of that, is it really even amazing if somebody doesn't flinch? Doesn't that show some sort of lack of response time? I mean, what happens if Matt Barnes actually does throw the ball and it bounces off of his dumb head? What happens? He looks he looks like an idiot. So what is this no flinching? You really think that he made a calculation when the ball is an inch away from his face that Matt Barnes is not going to throw it? He's not going to do it. Do you think... Does anybody really think that? I I I can't I can't see how that's possible. I feel like Matt Barnes should have just let the ball go and it would have been one of the most embarrassing moments for Kobe's career. But luckily for him, he was zoned out. He was looking somewhere else. Matt Barnes kind of tossed it in his direction and now it's a legend. Now it's legend in its truth. It for, will forever be truth. It'll still be on top 10 amazing lists of, you know, most savage moments for Kobe Bryant and it'll be it'll it'll be celebrated for years regardless of its truth. But that is also why I like basketball. Because things that aren't true can be true.
0: It's it's really coming full circle here <laughs> into in terms of like dealing with what is real and how how basketball and life are really exactly the same thing. Um here, let's uh let's just segue off of uh off of kobe <laughs> a little bit because i feel like i can't sure. feel like kobe's been the topic for ever
1: let's uh let's talk let's talk about this for a second um coach k wait let yes, me ask you yes. let me ask you a question yes. real quick because you were talking about kind of my vision for what my channel is setting out to do or what i was trying to do what's your goal with this or, or what's your kind of bigger idea do you have well you know for for to... me
0: personally um i've always had sort of an infatuation with just content the content game if you will just as a whole like when i moved to college first thing out of high school i started a youtube channel talking about consumer technology and stuff made like half Mm. a dozen videos and video number one was just the most timely and the most successful and so as the viewership declined i wasn't quite mature enough to to realize that that wasn't necessarily indicative of a of a declining career as a whole so to say if you will or just making the the hobby less fun um so i stepped away from it a little bit always wanted to dip my toes back into it but ultimately i would say the mission statement of the hustle points podcast and of just my whole public persona as as a whole would just be to advocate for, for discourse and to get people talking about being engaged in what they're doing and to not be just dogmatic in their lives. Like you were someone that I really wanted to get on the podcast because it seems clear to me that you're willing to entertain the ideas of like, you know, what is real, who's, who's right about what and why things like that. And so, you can see a little bit of this with, um, I believe it's like my third or fourth episode where I covered the NBA story, excuse me, not NBA storytelling, NBA Playmakers uh, Network, mm-hmm. that whole scandal. Um, I made the Bucket Discord server and uh, kind of tongue in cheek called it a, a union for creators uh, who do basketball. And that sort of expresses a little bit of the value I ha- the the types of values I have In an ideal world, I could take this basketball thing to its eventual end point or just, you know, ad nauseum forever just because basketball will always be entertaining to me. If nothing else, it could stay a hobby. But as far as, like, larger impact on the world, I just want to make people talk about stuff in a a rational way to where they're open to other perspectives. And I want to be able to eventually get down to kind of having more evergreen content uh, like you say to where it'll live on beyond me and have a little bit more legacy as like a alternate perspective on whatever little facet of reality it is whether it be basketball or something else Uh, but basketball for me right now is just a, a good starting point if nothing else
1: very clear all right very good yeah, so I'm glad you thought about that. I'm glad you have thought about that. Yeah, I Oops, I gosh.
0: think way too much, <laughs> so <laughs> this is yeah. Um, let's get into this just a little bit. Uh, Coach K, that's a probably not probably, but definitely the only video on your channel that is uh removed from the NBA, other than the uh, the sports commercial that you made, which is probably my favorite video of yours. <laughs> I
1: am so glad you like that that's, 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 that's oh, where this is yeah. just
0: the beginning it comes from right
1: <laughs> Yes
0: yes yeah, that is that is definitely uh, my favorite video it's just it's short and sweet and anyone can enjoy it outside of any context because we all know what a sports commercial looks like The little the the one frame of the of the video that gets me every time makes me burst out laughing is just where it's just says no nazis <laughs>
1: i have this dream one day uh, when i i do have uh, the the audience the full audience (laughs) where i'm just gonna repost that video
0: (laughs) yeah because i think it's the only one on your channel that still has less than a thousand views i think it's the only one
1: (laughs) and it's the best one it's got no views man I think somebody wrote like nice commercial like they really <laughs> <laughs> it, it was for like like visit canada <laughs>
0: <laughs> i uh i was watching um i think it was like a football playoff game or um no yeah it was the yeah it was the alabama playoff game uh, with some friends of mine and one of them got up and went to the bathroom so i quickly put on a sports commercial and it hit play right as soon as I, I heard him exit the bathroom and he walked in did not notice it wasn't a real commercial until the very end, where he was like, "What the fuck was that? <laughs> what was that for? I don't understand." <laughs> he got mad because of how absurd it was, because he thought it was real, because it seems real. It's a perfect satire.
1: <laughs> oh, this this is that's made that's made my entire week. This is uh, I, I'm gonna say. Tonight as I drift off to sleep I will think about the fact that you had that encounter. You you created that moment. That's exactly what I hoped for. <laughs> yeah, well
0: it, it happened. It happened. You willed it into existence and I, I was the one who
1: came out. Oh, but um Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> thank you. Wow. That's great. But um the Coach K video um is one of the more interesting ones to me, other than the sports commercial um because it's other than that one it's not it's like the only non NBA video and i sort of see it as like this spiritual predecessor to the to the popovich daddy series of videos <laughs> <laughs> i think they're they're very similar in theme and perspective
1: um do
0: do you see it that way or, or is that or is that just me
1: 100% but i, I, I see it in almost in a uh in a viewer's perspective as a uh what do you call it, a bystander they were born they were created born independently but they absolutely are a part one two and three now of the same idea so yeah they're definitely coming from the same vein that pops out of my neck when i get upset <laughs> it, um, it um, was just uh you <laughs> think
0: about your coach and yell, making you uh <laughs> I don't remember exactly what you said. I just remember the you t- talking about your coach and how he just had it out for
1: you. <laughs> I don't. At that point in high school, if you're in high school, you're a sophomore. You're playing JV basketball. Don't take the fun out of it. I mean, people. Some some coaches just take. And I don't want to say they take it too seriously because it literally is that man's job. He was a high school basketball coach, but there's still got to, I mean, there's still got to be some joy in it. And his his entire approach, my coach for Junior Varsity Basketball back in Berkeley, California, the little man, Coach Mc, something, he just took the fun out of it and then made it personal. He just, ins- he loved insulting people. And he really, I can, it's just like the minute moment. I can pinpoint my, the moment in my life when I said, Screw organized basketball. I, this is not my path. Luckily, I didn't like grow another foot the next summer, <laughs> and just look like an idiot, you know. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was a side topic. But Coach K, people are very protective of their college sports. It's it's like it's like people's children. It's like their little baby. Their co- their teams, their college teams, the whole system. It's held and revered differently than professional sports. Because a lot of people think there's like a purity in it, you know, and it's these kids who just who just want to play hard and they just want to win, oh, you know, and some of these guys aren't even going pro, they just, they just the love of the game, all that kind of crap. But I didn't want, it wasn't about dissecting college sports, it's just Coach K is an enigma to me. I, I don't understand how he is who he is and why is he held in such high regard. I don't understand. And I was—I'm glad I was able to figure out a very clear end point, which is nobody has any stories about this man. There are no stories about Coach K,
0: except for that time that was Stephen Jackson had to go and hide under his bed for some reason.
1: Right? Oh, it was Corey McGetty. Yeah, Massive. Corey McGetty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no, it's just that story was borderline <laughs> incoherent. <laughs> it, was,
1: it was and it was a Corey McGetty story. It wasn't even a Coach K story. It's like it and I, it, it's it's not even difficult to find. Whenever anybody is asked to talk about Coach K, it's just generalities. It's just general. Or they talk about his stature in the league or in the in just basketball. I don't know how he got there. Obviously winning matters and he maybe he's a great manager but he's a sh- he's a, sh- a shitty communicator and he seems very condescending he's you know i've never seen somebody have like a warm real warm genuine moment with him um and everybody who's asked to talk about him seems like there there is a level of resentment or s- uh, just some level of dis I don't want to say disgust, but just disdain for him. It's like they respect him, but they don't like him. But because there's this echo chamber of respect for him, if you don't know him or you don't dive into all these encounters and and his actual history interacting with human beings, your default would just be to say he's an all-time great coach, one of the best, because that's what we're just told. And we just repeat it, over and over again. And in the video, there was a. I. It was very simple, you know. I found, and I actually I could have used a dozens of example, but you take uh, coach. What what's the guy's name? Red. What the oh god? Is what Auerbach? is the old man's name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <thank you. laughs> yes, Auerbach. Auerbach. That guy. There are countless anecdotes and stories. ...about him being a good guy... ...and him giving somebody the right set of words... ...to go out there and do something great... ...and motivating people... ...and... um, ...you know... uh, ...working the system... ...and I'm not saying the man was a great person... ...I don't know him... ...but there's a crap ton of stories about him... ...that... ...support... ...the mythology... ...and that's all mythologies are... ...is a bunch of stories... Uh, that we can pile up and put a person or uh, a you know a skin bag on top That just you know whether it's Michael Jordan and that's another thing about Michael Jordan another thing we haven't even talked about him but another thing about Michael Jordan is that he has disciples there are tons of humans and former teammates and players and rivals that go out there on a daily basis on radio shows And talk about his greatness and the stories of being beaten by him, and that's what's going to hold his legacy up forever. Are those anecdotes and the stories and the lists and the top ten whatevers Uh, true or not? I dare somebody to find one of those about Coach K. Please make a top ten amazing motivational moments. For I will give if anybody can find five, three stories told by an actual person who knew him anywhere in print uh in video any any interview where he is shown in a good light i will give them i don't know uh uh, you clearly don't know basketball sweater and 59 points on the channel for the game you don't know you're playing (laughs) yes
0: that's a perfectly (laughs) clean segue who has the most points
1: and is it even close (laughs) Oh, it's not even close. There's like three or four people who just have close. they have thousands of points.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know there was thousands of points of opportunity. <laughs> <There's>,
1: there are <laughs> people don't understand. They don't know they're playing the game. I mean, they don't yeah, know it's, they don't
0: understand by design. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but that's the thing. Once you discover it. You see how many points are available. They are sitting out there. They are ready for the taking. You've uh, so you've
0: really gamified uh, the YouTube algorithm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, I feel like I need. Everybody else is doing you know, uh, PS4 giveaways and all these other things, which I still don't understand. You know, I see these other channels. Do you do you know how that works? I see these other channels. They've got around the same number of uh, subscribers, and they do these. You know, are we giving away two PS4s at the end of the? You know, comment and subscribe, and we're giving them away. How does that work? Where are they getting them from? Who's who's running this system of of giveaways?
0: Well, the the unfortunate truth is, I think like eighty percent of those people are just plain lying (laughs) okay all right okay
1: oh that's great okay good good okay good thank you so i'm doing some giveaways (laughs) there we go (laughs) if it's
0: if it's most people then it's fine
1: if most people who do it it. (laughs) are
0: are doing it a certain way then that's the way you should do it ethics be damned
1: (laughs) but i'm gonna give away like an adjustable basketball rim for your backyard you know something big. no you should just something give away
0: the mini rim (laughs) The the one you own <laughs> that's in the videos
1: <laughs> that that would be a treasure. I I'll sign it a signed mini room. You gave away a, a signed basketball, right? It wasn't signed, but it was a authentic 1996 NBA Finals basketball. It was after I made this video about Randy Brown um, trying to take away the game ball from Michael Jordan. I was fascinated by that and his determination to get that ball and the assumption that he de- deserved it for some reason. Like when they won the finals in 1996, Randy Brown, who was only in, was at the team a few years, tried to take the ball out of Michael Jordan's hands after the final buzzer. And he wrestled for it. He was wrestling for it. And it was so awkward and they were on the ground and eventually Jordan got it. Like he didn't Randy Brown didn't just give up. And I just needed to know why. So, I'm not going to get into why, cause I may, I already did that. You can please please watch the video, people. Um but with that, I concluded that I wanted to get him a replica ball and send it to him. Um and I found one. And apparently, and I still don't know how true it is, but it says it was authentic. And obviously with every finals, there's probably hundreds of balls that get stamped, you know, or for warm-ups and stuff like that. Um that don't actually—they don't turn out to be the you know the winning game ball. So there's hundreds of these balls that were actually at the finals, floating around the internet for sale. So I, like an idiot, actually purchased one of them, and it wasn't cheap. It was like 150 bucks. But I wanted to send it to Randy Brown. I really wanted to send it to him, but I ended up deciding just to give it away to one of the uh, one of the viewers, and I feel like that was a much better decision. Cause screw Randy Brown. <laughs>
0: So, so you don't regret getting rid of the ball? You didn't buy two so you could have one and give away one?
1: <laughs> well, the I, the idea was that it would... I, I still want it to be like a... like. Do you remember that? The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Do you remember yeah. that movie? Yeah. Or... Not that you... you know, I know It could be your favorite movie or maybe you've never seen it. I'm not sure. I can't tell yet. <laughs> but it... I wanted this person to want it to send it to another viewer, and I wanted it to travel, and with each uh, each passing it on, you know the person would sign it or write something on it, and then it becomes this community thing that just travels on. Um, I just have to convince the guy who won it to send it to somebody else,
0: <laughs> and then uh, convince that guy and the next. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but I think I could do that, and it can become a thing. I, 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 I just want I want something like like to happen. I uh, to create the, our own mythology and legend you know where this ball came from why is it floating around you know uh yeah thanks for reminding me i'm gonna do that i gotta follow up on that
0: (laughs) yeah that's a let's see so we've got four more videos left to make this year to come up with ideas for we've got the traveling ball (laughs) and the other mysterious six one of which probably won't even come out until february 14th (laughs) right right.
1: the first one is not coming out on uh the scheduled date No. Okay, so wait, we can do rapid fire here. Where, where do you want to go next? Let's see. All,
0: all right. right, here's here's a a quick and easy one. Do you still have hops?
1: Absolutely. Sometimes I I occasionally whenever I go into a new uh, a new space, I always you know like a new house or somebody else's house, I always got to try and touch the ceiling. That's <laughs> standard. See, I, and now that I think I have... you
0: have all the hops, I don't have. If like the universe is like one big algorithm and everything is nice and balanced, yin and yang and all that, I, I'm very low to the ground. <laughs> In other words, I'm very not good at basketball. <laughs>
1: I had uh, I see I had okay. one
0: really good career recreational basketball game, and I'm pretty sure I only scored twice. It was like a it was like a five 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 or something like that. Of course, not really. Not like I, my dad was keeping track of stats or anything. But I'll never forget when my dad told me he had another parent come up to him after the game and tell him something along the lines of "Congratulations, Rudy's really good at basketball." And he was like, "Ha, thanks." I mean, he isn't, but thanks. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, thanks, Dad." <laughs>
1: I love that you that you remember that so clearly.
0: Oh yeah, I was I was probably probably eleven or twelve.
1: That's your, you got the cookie, man. You got the cookie that was up on the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, my my hoop
0: dream died that day. It's okay though.
1: <laughs> Rudy, Rudy's good at basketball. <laughs> That's good. That'll be on your uh to your tombstone, right? Rudy is very good Rudy. at basketball. <laughs> good at basketball. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's it's all it's all effort man honestly it's like i think playing basketball even just for like the three or four years as a as a kid recreationally uh when i did had a lot of influence on just a my my perception on life and and it's basketball especially of course but just like it's all about the hustle and effort you know it's like effort meets opportunity type of thing like uh i'm really big into into defense i'm really good into players who get really underappreciated because they can't score because that's me. <laughs> I, I'm really into underdogs because my name is Rudy and I was literally named after the film Rudy because my parents oh, are original. It was going to be Jack. <laughs> but, you know, then they, they cried at the end of the of Rudy getting carried off the field. And so I have a, a very deeply ingrained <laughs> underdog complex. But I think that's most everyone. At least that's what I tell
1: myself. That, that's... I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, I guess it sets... <laughs> Gosh, parents can really, like, they have, there's so much power in how they set you up with your little names and stuff. Right. God. So, yeah, I mean, they did it to you. Hopefully it's a tool. It sounds like it's a tool. It sounds like you've made it useful. I've tried. I've tried. Jack <laughs> Jack would have been, I'm glad. Jack, Jack. Jack I would have Jack. just taken yeah.
0: a, jacked up a bunch of shots from where I don't need to. I wouldn't have hustled and felt, felt like I, I needed to prove myself. I would have just been, been jacking it. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs>
1: on, the yeah, on, the yes, yes. on the court, on the court, on the court, on the court.
0: This is a family friendly show. I'd like to say that now, for <laughs> the NBA Playmakers Network comes at me, even though I'm not signed. Don't want to hurt the the image of basketball by talking about jacking it. To me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. That's a keeper. Do you still have the letter that Kevin Johnson sent back to you, or did you
1: burn that? I think my 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 parents probably have it. I think my parents have it somewhere in some box somewhere. But
0: it's not like framed above your desk or anything.
1: If I had it, I would not. It would not be on display. It would. I would keep it in a box. I don't. I. I. I have no affinity for that. For that man. Uh, it, just, it hasn't become. He hasn't become in, endeared because of our little encounter. No. No. I. I the guy he he basically spit in my face
0: do you think having a distaste for that kevin sort of gives you a distaste for the the current kevin you have a distaste for you know i won't say the the other name
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh kevin kevin oh kevin you know you know what's funny is kevin it's like that's his name Kevin.
0: Yeah, I love thinking of NBA players just by their first name. It's it takes so much juice out of like the the image that comes to mind.
1: It, it's so it is. It's just it's just base level nothing. Just Kevin, your name is actually like I knew a Kevin. I worked with a Kevin, and he was just he was just Kevin. So anyway, so I, my feelings towards Kevin, the, the Kevin Durant. I can say his name. Uh, are are just I just have mixed feelings. I just I and I'm being completely honest, and I feel like every Warriors fan deep down feels the same way. We appreciate what's going on. We like winning championships, but uh, just it's you gotta get out of here soon. You know, yeah. You, you did your thing. You don't don't stay too long. He should go. Then we can we can have another uh moment, um another to twenty sixteen season with Steph Curry actually demonstrating what he can do. It's just sad to see, it honestly is sad to see somebody in their prime being having to deal with somebody who uh doesn't necessarily want to play second fiddle or whatever the sayings are. Right. Um I mean you could see Steve Kerr in the press, he's always kind of coddling uh kevin duran and we all know we just you kind of got to stroke his ego a little bit and watching steph curry take a back seat even though he can put a 42 whenever he feels like it but just in the public persona his just his persona and and how we talk about him and how this coach talks about him uh it's disappointing i mean this is it is detrimental to his legacy it, you know what it does it makes defending his legacy harder because you have to use more words. And this is a whole short argument thing. With Kevin Durant on the Warriors, you have to now really explain why Steph Curry is the best player in the NBA. You have to go into detail when if he wasn't, it's very it's obvious. It's very simple. The argument is very simple. So it'll all be good if he just moves on next year and goes on to some other team. Um, and the Warriors don't even necessarily have to win the championship next year as long as Steph Curry balls out without his balls out and Does well and shows that he can you know get back to that clear 30 plus a game average and uh, leading a team and Without Kevin it's because people just forget so quickly. They forget so quickly what uh, The Warriors led by Steph Curry with a bunch of nobodies. And I'll tell you I will go I will go to the I will go to the mat. So many like little idioms and phrases, right? Uh to defend Seth Curry and the fact that he was the team. This the Warriors have not had a stacked bench. People who say, you know, what is it, twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen, they had three all stars. Draymond Green was a nobody the year before that. And the reason he was an all-star that following year is because of steph curry and the reason that clay thompson was an all-star that year and not just um you know kyle corver or james jones that's uh who's that guy The uh, lebron james little sidekick <laughs> yeah, james goes jones. everywhere with him. yeah yeah the sharpshooter that i've never seen actually shoot a three but if the reason he's not that is because of the space he creates but I'm not even trying to get into that argument right now, but just in terms of stories, I feel like right in the middle of what is going to be one of the greatest careers in NBA history, it was just, we just tossed a wet blanket over it. And now that we live in this world where there is so much well-placed and well-produced criticism of players on YouTube, like you don't have to just wait for ESPN or somebody to break down the top five players in the league right now. But there are so many good takes, and horrible takes, but really good takes. People's c- careers are just being exposed and it's and ripped apart and questioned. And there aren't going to be as many simple facts uh, moving forward. Every five years, somebody's going to say, you know, was James Harden really that good? Or, you know, R- Russell West- Westbrook will never actually be able to rest, even if he does go to the Hall of Fame, because there's going to be a take on him ev- forever. You know, but in but people like uh, you know James Worthy and all, all these other players um, in history, they they may have skirted by this um, this type of criticism because they were before this era, where everybody can have a good take and all the information is accessible. And what's going to happen is this: there will always be a hole in Steph Curry's career um, and doubt on how much of an impact player he was because of this time. And is that worth uh, one less championship, you know? I don't know, maybe. I mean, it depends on what's important. I mean, to see people question... And you see this take all the time, uh, you know, Kevin Durant. Like, these rings don't count. Like, what? Are you serious? Like, that that's just a ridiculous thing to say, these rings don't... Like, or there's, a, or there's an asterisk by the, for these championships. That doesn't make any sense. So, but it is... These are things that we say now, and... As a fan, you want your favorite player, your favorite team, to have the cleanest, most irrefutable uh, case for greatness. And right now, it's really murky. And it would just all clear up if uh, if he was gone. But at the same time, I can still enjoy him being here and root for him and like him. Because you can have two things in your brain at once. It's completely possible.
0: Right, we're not perfectly rational animals like... Some people might like we, to think
1: we are—we don't have calculators. Absolutely not. Brains. We're brains. people. <laughs> not. We we are completely irrational. Honestly, if we were rational people, we would not be able to get out of bed because we are completely insignificant little specks in a giant universe that makes no sense. Like why would we? Why would we think that? Uh, you know, picking pancakes over uh, scrambled eggs is important. If we really understood and rationalized life it doesn't make any sense so we got we get to be irrational occasionally and i take that right all the way into basketball
0: it's, it's a perfect place for it really because you know it's just a game nah, I... <laughs> it is just a game <laughs>